Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we welcome our good friend and guest preacher, Reverend Dr. Greg Neal. Join us for the message, Self-Avowed Practicing Gentile. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we are welcoming our very good friend and guest preacher, the Reverend Dr. Greg Neal. And he's going to be sharing some very good news with us today. And so stay tuned a little bit later for our message, which is going to be called Self-Avowed Practicing Gentiles, which I'm excited to hear what that's, he's going to say about that. Our scripture reading today is Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you, as were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks God. God. Well, I want to give a word of warning before I start, <laughs> because the last time I preached was the last Sunday of September of last year. So it's been a long time, and I might have a great deal to say. So I might be here, you know, a couple of hours. No. I, my husband just shook his head and said, no. And I have learned how to obey my husband. So that wasn't in the words, though, that were in the liturgy, Jane. Uh, anyway, okay. Would you pray with me? Lord God Almighty, move among us this day so that we, your people, may always feel and sense your divine power and presence. For we need to know that we are never alone. And speak to us this day in such a way that we may always hear, understand, and remember. Give us your word by which you mold and shape our living. For we need your word to live eternally. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the early church, there was a separation, a divide, a disconnect, a, a disagreement over the question of inclusion, the question of the inclusion of self-avowed practicing Gentiles in the life of the church. Now, the early church was made up of originally Jews. Then that makes perfect sense. Jesus was a Jew. He was the Messiah, the anointed one of the Jewish people. And all of Jesus' disciples were Jews. Jews first of Galilean origin, but also Jews from the southern regions of Judea, from, from the powerful, influential regions around Jerusalem. Jesus spoke to Jews who, who lived within the context of the Jewish society and culture but because of the eclectic nature of the ancient world, he was also heard by non-Jews, 
by Samaritans who were sort of a mixed uh, half-siblings of the Jewish people, descendants of the Hebrew people from the northern kingdom of Israel, the remnants of the Israelites who inhabited that northern kingdom who had mixed with and and married with imported folk, non-Hebrew people whom the Assyrians had imported from the regions of their empire after they defeated the northern kingdom in 721 BCE. Uh, He was heard by Greeks who lived in the area as merchants and as teachers and as cultural movers and shakers. He was heard by Romans, the occupying armies of the Roman Empire and their families and their servants and their friends, the administrators of the empire who lived in the major cities of Jerusalem and in Caesarea and Caesarea Philippi. He was heard by many people of many different backgrounds. And and when those others heard Jesus, many of them found what he said to be appealing, encouraging, transforming, liberating. They heard in Jesus the word of God being proclaimed, and they wanted to be part of the message and the messenger and the community that grew up around him during his life, and the community that exploded with growth around the disciples and his, after his resurrection, and the Pentecost that brought life to the church, the life to the believers of God. Most of these early self-avowed practicing Gentiles were what the, was known as God-fearers. Now, God-fearers were Gentiles who had learned the Torah. They were studying the Torah. They found great value in the Torah and its message, and they wanted to learn more about the Torah. They wanted to learn more about Yahweh Elohim, God, the creator of the universe. And so they would go to synagogue, and they would learn, and they would study, and they would adopt a few of the practices of the Jewish people. They would avoid certain kinds of foods and The men would avoid certain kinds of dress, and they would cut their hair a slightly different way than most Gentiles would do it. But they they were still Gentiles. The men were uncircumcised, and when they weren't around Jews, they would often eat unkosher food. They they wouldn't attend the temples of Artemis or or Jupiter any longer or the imperial temple. They they would abstain from non-Jewish worship practices, but they were not yet Jews, They were not yet Jews. And the Jewish people, the the Jewish Christian community, welcomed them in. Welcomed these self-avowed practicing Gentiles into their communities. Well, the early church made up of Jewish Christians welcomed them in too. But there was this dispute, this disagreement. Some of these Jewish Christians wanted these Gentiles to become Jews too wanted them to convert all the way. They wanted the men to get circumcised. They wanted food, all their diet to be kosher. They wanted them to obey the blood purity laws. They wanted them to attend the Jewish feast days, the high holy days, the days of celebration. They wanted them to be able to go to the temple for worship and prayer as well as to synagogues for study. They wanted them to become Jews and stop being self-avowed practicing Gentiles. And in some of the regions, this was possible. 
However, Paul was taking the gospel, the Apostle Paul was taking the good news about Jesus to parts of the ancient world in the Aegean Sea Basin where there were not that many Jews, where there were no synagogues in some of those Gentile towns. And he was preaching about Jesus there. And the people were hearing the good news, people were hearing the gospel, people were getting excited about it, and they were becoming believers and followers of Jesus while remaining self-avowed, practicing Gentiles. They didn't go to temple of the pagan gods anymore, but they still ate meat with blood in it, and they still ate unkosher food, and they still dressed in ways that were not in accord with the Torah rules and regulations. They still did things that made them not welcome in Jewish circles. Paul, in his missionary journeys in Asia Minor, Macedonia, and Greece, was converting these Gentiles to the Christian faith, but they were remaining self-avowed, practicing Gentiles in all the cultural respects except the worship of pagan deities. They believed in Jesus. They believed in Yahweh Elohim. They accepted God's grace and lived by faith. They experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, but they still behaved like Gentiles. And moreover, it didn't appear that God had any interest in making them change, in stopping most of their Gentile practices. Oh, yes, they, they, they didn't go to pagan temples anymore. They no longer worshipped Artemis or Apollo anymore, but they were still Gentiles in a Gentile world, doing Gentile things. And that was what launched the first church split. <laughs> we don't think about it, but yes. It was this issue of Gentiles being incorporated into the life of the Christian community that caused the first radical desire to disaffiliate in the church. And the amazing thing is that the first general conference of the church that took place in Jerusalem, the church leadership agreed. Peter, James, and John agreed that these Gentile Christians wouldn't have to become Jews in order to be saved. They didn't require circumcision or the adoption of the rules and regulations of the Jewish life. They just asked that the Gentile converts refrain from eating certain kinds of food in their presence. They didn't object to self-avowed practicing Gentiles leading congregations or women in leadership of those congregations or families of mixed religious background being part of those congregations. They didn't object to these self-avowed practicing Gentiles fully included and welcomed in the life of the church. At least that was the official position out of the first council or general conference in Jerusalem. Some of the Jewish Christians didn't like it, however. They didn't accept it. And they continued to cause trouble. And that's what was happening in Galatia. And it's the reason why Paul wrote his letter there. He affirms in his letter that Gentiles could be completely, fully, and without question part of the church. 
without having to change. And that God doesn't have a pecking order of preference that relegates self-avowed practicing Gentiles to second-class citizenship. Now, before faith came, he wrote, we, are, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian. One translation renders that schoolmaster. Until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. The law, the Hebrew regulations, the Mosaic covenant, and all of its particulars defined what it meant to be a Jew. It taught people how to live a life as a follower of God at a time and in a place where such definitions were helpful. But with Christ, there isn't a need for those particular regulations any longer. The cultural definitions, so important during the period of the exile and the early inhabitation of the land of Israel, simply didn't apply anymore. Paul will say elsewhere that the law is still good and helpful, but as here, it is simply a schoolmaster, a teacher, a disciplinarian, but not a way to relate to God, not a way to be part of the family of faith. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Paul goes on, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. That pretty much says it all. I heard an amen. That says it all. Amen indeed. In Christ, there's no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female. We're all one together in Christ. Distinctions that make up a large portion of the law's cultural and social conventions. Factors that tell you what you can eat and how you can dress and how you relate to people and who you can marry and who can teach and preach and lead a community, they're all simply set aside. Those old distinctions no longer have relevance in the church, Paul is saying. There's no longer Jew or Greek, and that means no longer self-avowed practicing Gentiles. There's no longer slave or free, a, dis a distinction that was very important at the time. For slaves didn't mix with non-slaves, and certainly not their masters. And today we cringe at the thought of slavery and believe it to be a sin, and it is, and it's evil. Yet we're only 158 years removed from it in our own cultural and legal context. Although the authors of the Bible allowed for slavery, in Christ, there is no slave 
and no free. We're all children together of God. Amen, brother. And there's no longer male and female. Gender distinctions and identifications no longer matter when it comes to faith. We are all equal siblings in Christ. All of these distinctions, Gentile, slave, women, they were important. And they're still important today, but sometimes in different ways. Some portions of the church still tell women they can't be ordained pastors or teachers in the church. Some portions of the church still consider class and social background, racial or ethnic considerations to be important. The church hour on Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour of American cultural life. A huge sin on our part, my friends. And while we don't pay much, if any, attention anymore to the full inclusion of self-avowed practicing Gentiles, because 95 plus percent of all Christians are self-avowed practicing Gentiles, my friends, and that's every one of us. Now the church fights and splits over the full inclusion of self-avowed practicing homosexuals amazing. Paul's words then to the people in his day of almost 2,000 years ago are words we need to hear today. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. I'm wearing an alb today and a stole, symbols of Baptism in the alb and ordination in the stole. Symbols of Christ's gift to me in my baptism way back in August of 1967 and And a stole, which is a symbol of my ordination as an elder way back in 1994. Amen. These are symbols that have been given to me. I've been clothed in them as I have been clothed in Christ. And that's what's important. Not my white skin or my gray hair or my gender as a male human being, or my identity as a self-avowed practicing homosexual. What's important is what Christ has done for me, and my being clothed in Christ, symbolized by my baptism in the alb and my ordination with the stole. It's Christ That's important. It's the love of God that reigns and rules. None of these other distinctions are important when it comes to the kingdom of God. We, all of us, every single one of us, belong to Christ. And since we belong to Christ, 
We are Abraham's offspring, children of faith, heirs according to promise, joint heirs with Jesus of the promises of Almighty God. And we will be fed by the amazing grace of Jesus in His real presence, in His body and in His blood, and the sacrament of Holy Communion. Clothed in Christ, fed by Christ, empowered by Christ to witness to the love of God in Christ to and for the whole world. That, my sisters and brothers, that, my siblings, is what's important here. So we self-avowed practicing Gentiles, of whatever stripe we may be, we are clothed with Christ. Give glory to God for the blessings of God's grace. Give glory to God for the power of life eternal that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. For the gift of His presence that clothes us. And makes us one in Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And may God's people say, Amen. And so now I'll receive this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday, we continue our sermon series, Questions, the Beginnings of Faith. Join us for the message, How Can I Make a Life and Not Just a Living? You can always access our services through our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, tumcd.org. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.